All right, here we go. Week seven in the NFL. This is the Bet US NFL show. We appreciate your time here on this Wednesday afternoon. Joined, as always, by my two counterparts, Las Vegas Chris. How are we doing on this fabulous week seven? Oh, just marvelous, marvelous. I'm happy to get be here. Happy to be Love here. It. One of those weekends again. Only available at pregame.com, my friend. You're on a bit of a heater from what the numbers tell me. Feeling good heading into this week seven? Jumped into the pool. I figure I've got two more pool days before the weather yeah. turns. So I don't he- don't have a heated pool. So it was about 68 degrees. And um, once it goes below 65, that's probably going to be it. Yeah, I, I, I've do- I'm doing my running routine this week outside. And then I saw next week's temperatures. And I think maybe it might be time to go indoors for the rest um, of the winter. It is starting. The calendar is starting to turn, right? The weather is changing not only here in the desert, but also across this great country where they play football. And that uh, could impact some of the games and some of the totals this week as we dive in. But first, don't forget, golden ticket time. Um, if you uh, so choose, you can uh, predict which one of us will have the golden ticket at the end of the show. And there's that truck going across the screen. The goal is, of course, to win the tough truck. They're going to do a giveaway uh, sometime later this year. A couple things. First of all, you have to have a BetUS account in order to get your free entry to the contest. And you also have to guess correctly uh, which one of us has the golden ticket, and then you will get a free entry, and we will have more details for you on the other side. Um, Let's get to the records, because as I alluded to, things are looking a little better than they were earlier in the year. I had a winning week. I'm still above 500. Chris and Steve continue on the path back to profitability. Um, as you can see, our records on the screen right now, but the records I really want to talk about guys, and you know, we're going to have ups and downs to the season. I don't want to go too crazy over a couple of good weeks. Cause we're going to string together a lot more good weeks o- over the next month or so, but the records in unders the totals in the NFL games over the weekend, I saw a huge, huge drop off in points. Chris, I'll start with you. Are it, it does that trend mean anything? They were 12, two and one. On, on over the weekend and unders this year are hitting at 60 percent what does that mean to you from a betting perspective as we move forward well i think uh you're always going to see it usually reverse so uh the the you know the lines are being lowered and lowered and at some point they're going to get too low uh there could be a change in philosophy of what the the referees decide to call uh one of the other trends that's very unusual this season is uh the bottom five teams in the NFL are a combined three, 25, and two against the spread. Wow. So you're seeing several extreme results, and you're also seeing the general public uh, winning at a 60% rate against the books. The books have been getting kind of hammered. People with the models and you know, under, you know understanding of the history of uh, results in the NFL and they're kind of uh, treading water, and, and many are, are are not doing well at all. And, and look for that to shift around, also. Yeah, the um, I've seen this movie before, and in any sport, whenever you have more a preponderance of overs or unders, you want to look to be a contrarian. That doesn't mean go ahead and play oppo. What has been happening across the board, but in general. I'm looking to play more overs than unders. I'm looking to do things like if the Grand Salami gets put up, I certainly yeah. am looking to bet over now, not under this week. Um, the league knows that they're partnered up with all this fantasy football stuff, <laughs> and scoring is good. 
So when there's lots of quarterbacks hurt and scoring is down and offenses are down, it's time to help the offenses. And that means point of emphasis memos go out. Let's not muck up the game with excessive holding against the offense. And let's not allow the tugging on the wide receivers anymore. And all of a sudden, suddenly a few calls like that, instead of being a drive killer on an offensive holding, we get a drive protector with a defensive holding and you start seeing scoring go up. So if gun to my head, if I had to bet every game, I'd play all overs versus all unders, but there are better ways to get at it. Like I said, selectively. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and I don't know, I haven't seen a grand salami. We see it in baseball. I haven't seen it in the NFL. Um, this would be a good week to play it because I noticed this week, even the offerings, right? Like it's one thing if a lot of these games are staying under and they're all really crappy games and some of them have been, but this week I only saw one total over 45. So even the overall totals are pretty low and I'm seeing a lot more thirties than I am forties. And I think that's just kind of the overall trend in the NFL. The defense is right now, not a lot of great quarterback play, right? It's, it's, it, Chris, I think it's more about the why we're seeing these totals continue to hit through the first few weeks of the season. I've noticed red zone percentage be really poor. I've noticed sloppy quarterback play. And I'm not, you know, the though the defense ahead of the offenses, that's super cliche, but the 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 reason why these these things are happening is because the offenses are just bogging down in key areas. Yeah, well you you hit the nail on the head. The quarterback play has uh, been subpar uh, across the league. It's a little different. Although you do see uh, the last time I looked, I'm not up to date. Uh, you had a handful of uh, people uh, hitting it at a 70% completion rate. So uh, yeah. it's either feast or famine on that front. Uh, uh, it, there's just been a lot of incompetence in, in red zones lately. And uh, a lot of teams, you know, are running the ball up. Uh, a lot of teams are having bend but don't break defenses. And uh, the, some of the teams are hitting a brick wall in the red zone. Yeah, Chris nailed it there. So you've got the cover twos. The defenses yeah. know I can give up first downs, bend but don't break. And guess what? If I'm Derek Carr and I'm doing check down Charlie all the way down the field, well, now all of a sudden again in the red zone, there's nothing to check down to. And so now I have to adjust and throw a one-on-one -on -one ball or do something different, and I'm unable to function. And so, uh, and the clock runs a lot, you know, on those longer drives. And also with the bad quarterback play, like look no further than Tyrod Taylor at the end of the first half when he checks down to a run with 14 seconds left. And that's a situation where, you know, literally I could be an eighth grade. We could have an intramural eighth grade team. And if I did that, I'd be benched for the rest of the year. It's like, oh, you've never, obviously you've never watched football before. And these guys just like, like you just wonder what is, what is possibly going on to allow that? It's like everybody in the huddle has to, has to be, be reminding them. And, and you know, and in his ear, we cannot run the ball here. You know, I'd rather take a penalty than run the ball. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, there's two stats I'll leave you with here. One of them, so red zone offenses scoring touchdowns on only 53% of red zone possessions, which is the lowest rate through six weeks since 2011. So you could say over the last decade, we have not seen red zone ineptitude like we are seeing so far this season. Across the board, every other statistic that measures offense touchdown percentage, yards per attempt, yards per completion, quarterback rating, all of it is n near low levels over the last decade. So it, the offenses have not been crisp, and, and we're seeing a reflection of that through the totals.
through the first six weeks of the season. All right, let's move to this week's games. Only 13 games this week. You have six teams on a bye week. Panthers, Bengals, Cowboys, Texans, Jets, Titans. So Tennessee gets the week off after London, but Baltimore, not, not so fortunate. Um, we start Thursday night, Jaguars at Saints. So the look at here was Jacksonville minus one. It, this thing flipped all the way to three when we were in the wake of the Trevor Lawrence news. I believe it was Sunday night, Monday morning. But now the, the news on Trevor has been a little more positive over the last 24 hours, and we sit basically to pick them. Jaguars currently a one-point underdog. The total, as you would imagine, dropped up from the open of 42 and a half, and kind of settling in that 40 range with the Trevor Lawrence news as well. Um, guys, I, I was surprised. I was on the Colts last week. I think we we're all kind of on the Colts last week. Uh, we all thought London hangover for the Jags, and Jacksonville looked really strong. Um, is it a delayed response for the London hangover, right? Is It, it wasn't a fast-acting tablet, maybe a slow-acting tablet, and now a Thursday night game after a big win over Indy. Do we see the Saints kind of regress this week? Fez, I'll start with you. you got to play on this game. Yeah, so I think you nailed it. You've got a situation. Anyone who's like an MLB handicapper or an NBA handicapper, and do check out uh, the BetUS MLB show. Great job by everybody. Kyle hosts it and uh, just and and is great uh, experts. But the um, uh, you come home from a long road trip. Time to fade that team that first game. Same with the NBA. Now you could say, well, wait, Fez. These teams are playing. You know once a week, not every day. So it's it's not as strong, but the bottom line is you have a situation Jacksonville in London for eight days, then they come home and now they got a short week. So I want no part of Jacksonville. If, um, if Lawrence gives it a go, I make the line pick. If there's no Lawrence, I'll make the line saints minus three. So it's kind of split in between at minus one right now. But what I do like, and I don't want to play unders this week, so I'm very selective, but here's an under I am going to play Thursday game. Uh, Lawrence with a tweaked knee won't be 100% or we'll get the backup quarterback. Um, the Saints have gone under 12 straight games, I believe. So this has 20 to 17 written all over it. But I think both teams are going to start slow as well. My play is on the first half under 20. Chris, what do you think here? We got a delayed I, response. I agree with what Steve said on this game. I'm going to sit this one out just simply because uh, I have these teams uh, right next to each other in my uh, season rankings. Uh, I see Jacksonville kind of trending down a little bit and New Orleans uh, trending up a little bit, but uh, uh, nothing actionable. I just don't really see any value. I agree with what Steve says that the game should kind of start off with a slow pace. Trevor's mobility won't be there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they should be kind of sputtering along. Uh, but uh, I haven't been involved in the game yet, I, but I would definitely look toward the under if I was going to get involved. And if the line gets too high with the Saints, then uh, if, I, if some threes pop up, uh, if Lawrence isn't in there, then I'm going to be looking to play Jacksonville possibly. Steve, you said three points is what you go Lawrence over Beathard. C.J. Beathard back up for the Jags, by the way. I, I actually have it a four-point um, okay. downgrade, but because going on or off the three is so critical that when, when, I, when I move to two and a half to three, that's such an enormous move. I can't get yeah. all the way to three and a half. By the way, I think E. Arbo likes the under. I love that name, E. Arbo. I don't know whether it's like eat Arby's or execute arbitrage. Either way, I'm good with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine on both. Not as much Arby's these days that I'm on my uh, on my diet phase, but still not bad. So I, 
I like under vibes in this game, and I agree, Steve. I don't think we're going to see a lot, uh, as many unders as we saw last week, and I will be more selective with the unders. But the Saints have gone under in 15 of their last 16 games. They haven't had a game exceed 37 all season. So how can I not go under 40 here? And, and you know, to, to your point about Trevor Lawrence's injury, either two things are either going to happen. Either we're going to get less than 100% Lawrence, which means more running plays, less mobility, or we get C.J. Beathard, which knocks the total down, as Steve said, you know, at least a field goal anyway. So I, I think under 40, you're, you're safe. As long as we're fully baking in Trevor Lawrence playing and we're kind of reaching that point, there's really only one way to go here, and that's down. Um, and the Saints just don't play high-scoring games, so let's hope they don't play one on Thursday night. I'm going under. Fez has taken the under in the first half, and Chris is going to sit and watch us sweat this one out and hope we don't get a kick return for a touchdown uh, on the opening play of the game. All right, let's go to the early window on Sunday here. Falcons and Bucks. Uh, Tampa Bay was minus 2.5 on the look ahead. Not a ton of movement here. Maybe slightly towards the home favorite. Both of these teams kind of feel like cells to me, guys. Atlanta's off that bad home loss to the Commanders. The Bucks got absolutely dominated by the Lions. Didn't score a touchdown at home. Total here opened 41. We've seen some steady money to the under. You can see that now total sitting at 38. And, guys, the Falcons really struggled to, to win games with margin when Desmond Ritter starts, and they're 8-2 and two to the under in Desmond Ritter starts. And it kind of looks like um, the Falcons in a teaser spot is the best angle for you this week, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I like this game. I have these teams rated side-by-side side for the season. Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't know why – Tampa Bay should be hitting three. If it hits, I mean, it's a pretty strong price for how I see these teams. Uh, Tampa Bay's regressing. Uh, they're 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 31st on my uh, ratings over the last five weeks. Atlanta's not that much better. They're five uh, above, but uh, nevertheless, uh, these teams are basically equal. I think Atlanta's going to have success on the ground, uh, and that's going to help them out. Uh, we saw what Tampa Bay uh, was last week. They've got some issues, and uh, uh, Baker uh, had some problems, even with the team completely healthy. Uh, so getting over a touchdown, getting over eight, eight and a half on the teaser just seems like a great bargain, and I paired that with with Seattle, minus one and a half. Mm. And I'll be Best. talking about that Seattle teaser because I like that as well. Um, yeah. I thought about it. I, I don't want to tease Atlanta yet, even though I agree with everything Chris said, because I might get plus three. And if you can if if you can do the math, you'd rather bet a plus three than tease a plus two and a half up to eight and a half because you are on each leg, you're laying minus 280 if it's a minus 120 uh, teaser. So uh, we'll wait on it. I am a little concerned Atlanta better at home than on the road historically. So little concerned about that, but yeah, I've got these two teams within half a point of each other. One and a half for Tampa Bay's home field. I only get to two on the overall numbers. I did want to mention, Jared, you brought you brought up the, oh, let's hope we don't get an opening kickoff return for a touchdown. And the irony was on Saturday, a whole bunch of money came in on the Eastern Michigan game under. And <laughs> I Penn State, I, I believe their opponent tried an onside kick that did indeed get run uh. back. For a touchdown, yet the uh. first quarter still went under, so they had a silent 14 minutes and 52 seconds after that debacle. Oh, goodness gracious. I think, and that's always my favorite when you bet the under. Not my favorite. I'm obviously being sarcastic. And then something crazy like that happens, and then you get someone that's like, oh, I can't. It's over already. And then the game stays under anyways because that, you know, you cap the game right in one play. 
um, despite it being a crazy, fluky touchdown on special teams, does not derail your pick. So hopefully no derailments here um, as Chris is going to use the Falcons in a teaser this week. I, I just I don't know how I feel about Atlanta, guys. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get there at some point, but I just with Ritter, I'm just not there yet. I'm just you know, not Steve, there. You know, Steve, here's the issue that I've been having uh, for the last year, and it, and it comes true even more so with the lower scoring. You're right. That game may hit three, but I'm getting, you know, perfect example last week. I had Seattle in teasers. I really wanted to put my whole wager in teasers. I know it's going to go to three. Teaser wins, side loses. And I'm getting sick of that. If you look through recent results, you know, I'm getting to the point where I'm rooting for it not to hit three. So I have no excuses. So I'm starting to get to the point where I don't care if it hits three. If I can have that isolated early game in a teaser, uh, then I can reset that back game if if something goes down. But I'm getting sick and tired of losing on plus threes that are landing four, five, six, seven. Hey, it happened to me last week. I got lucky. I played badly and I teased the Bears from two and a half to eight and a half because I didn't think it was going to go three and it actually went to 3.2. So, and of course, plus three even money loses and the teaser wins. So maybe a little diversified portfolio where you bet half your normal bet on the teaser and then you wait it out. And then if it does go to three, at least you've got something then on the dog. I will say this about Atlanta the last two weeks, um, the stats. They've done very well statistically. They must be doing lousy in the red zone. So they've outplayed yeah. their opponents, but um, on the scoreboard hasn't turned out nearly as well. I think I'll probably get this is a good teaser like for for Atlanta, and it, it pairs well with Seattle. We'll get to Seattle a little bit later, but I, I think that's the to me that's like the golden ticket teaser leg this week um, with Seattle at home. But it's tough to find good pairings for teasers. I like Chris's approach, being able to match it with a game outside of each window is in is an individual. We did that very effectively last week, guys, when we used the Chargers in the teaser leg Monday night, and we all cashed there using different games. So Chris has taken the teaser approach with the Falcons, and we'll talk about leg numero dos coming up a little later in the show. But first, Raiders at Bears, everyone's favorite game, right? Uh, no, maybe, depending on what you're betting here. Um, look ahead here, Vegas minus one. So... We've actually seen the Raiders get bet up to a full field goal and maybe even trending towards three and a half, as you see a little juice there um, on the Raiders minus three. So what do we see on Sunday, guys? The Raiders, I think, handled themselves uh, okay. Uh, Probably didn't deserve to cover that game against the Patriots, but they did. It's a cover. And the Bears, without now their starting quarterback, um, struggled in a loss to the Vikings. So, guys, the question, and Fez, I'll start with you. None of us have any plays on this game, so it's all about how we evaluate Justin Fields to Tyler Badgent, the backup quarterback for the Chicago Bears, undrafted out of Shepherd University, D2 school. So, Fez, give us the uh, the numbers on Tyler Badgent. Sure. So, I'm a, I make this game three, so I've got no dog in the fight. I will say the Raiders... Um, they really did deserve to cover. I mean, they got lucky in the last two minutes, but they won the stats. Um, I'm not going to pretend to be able to really evaluate Tyler Badgent other than my default, a bad second string quarterback is, I assume, to be four and a half points worse than a average NFL quarterback, middle of the road. Well, I have fields a little <laughs> bit worse than an average starting quarterback, one point worse because he because he's been playing better. I had him, you know, 
more towards the bottom of the barrel with the Wilsons of the Jets, et cetera. So if I go from a minus one to minus four and a half, that's a three and a half point downgrade on your power ratings. But the problem is the Raiders are going with Hoyer and I got him as all washed up minus four. Remember, O'Connell was getting the, got the playtime over Hoyer and O'Connell can't play a lick as, as long as it's not August. He's good in preseason. So the fact that Hoyer lost the second string job to O'Connell, and now they have to give give it to him because O'Connell can't play, means both teams are really hurting at quarterback. There's so much uncertainty in this one. You know, I would look towards the props. I imagine if we go back, and I haven't done it yet, I apologize, and look at who Badgett's targets were, it may not well match with what has been the targets year to date. So maybe you might have a situation where you can find a wide receiver to back or fade, depending on who Badgett might like. Chris, I no think this is here. an opportunity for uh, if you have a backup quarterback that gets a whole week to practice, uh, you would think that he would at least be functional. And so it makes it harder for both of these teams to actually prepare for each other. Uh, but for whatever reason, I have it in my head that somehow the Bears come out better for this because this yeah. scheming for fields hasn't been working and they've had so many problems. So. They're, you know, if they have to, whatever they do with this guy, just seems like it's going to at least moderately work. Uh, and I have both of these teams actually improving over the last five weeks. I don't trust the Raiders, though. They've been just kind of skating by. This is, I, I, I really want to play the Bears. I have a slight metric edge on the Bears. I, I have uh, I had this supposed to be 1.75. So three is just too strong. I do worry Hoyer throws the, the ball deeper and the secondary for the Bears are a little vulnerable. So that's one issue. But, uh, you know, that seems like a potential teaser direction. If I was going to get involved in this game, I would only take Chicago. Uh, I think some way, somehow they get out of this with the win. Uh, I don't have a wager on it at this time, uh, but that's my outlook. I, I agree with both your takes. I, I actually think, and I'll give you a little backstory here on on Badgen. So I mentioned undrafted out of a D2 school, but he had a really good preseason. So good, in fact, that the Bears decided to cut P.J. Walker, who was owed guaranteed money from mm-hmm. Chicago. But despite that, they cut him and they said, Badgen, you're the backup. Um, we know P.J. Walker's now in Cleveland, started on Sunday, beat the Niners. So I guess it worked out good for both parties involved but my point being they obviously trust this kid because they cut an experienced backup who they owed guaranteed money to so i i think they're gonna let her loose i i I think this is a bears plus three kind of vibe for me especially if it gets the three and a half i don't think it will but if it does absolutely um if it gets the two and a half i think that's where we come in with bears teasers because you're right chris they've looked better the last couple weeks they were in shock with the injury on Sunday, the fumble six obviously skewed the score, but they still covered the teaser number at home against the Vikings. And I would put Kirk Cousins, say what you want about Kirk Cousins. I put him light years ahead of whatever Vegas is going to throw out there on Sunday with, with, with Brian Hoyer. So I think Raiders plus three, this might be a good spot for the Raiders. Um, and here's your cherry on top. Vegas is 0-9 against the spread, and their last nine is a favorite. <laughs> and they've lost their last four outright as a favorite. 
They don't do well in the favorites role. That's why I was on the Pats plus three Sunday. It didn't work out. The safety burned us late. But um, no plays officially here. But keep an eye on the Bears this week. Right, guys? Keep an eye on the Bears um, as we move forward. Because it all seems like we kind of have a vibe for Chicago with Tyler Badgett under center. All right, let's move on. Browns and Colts. Look ahead here was Cleveland minus two. Didn't see a ton of movement um, despite that Cleveland upset on Sunday uh, over San Francisco. Of course, you could argue, um, you know, the injuries that San Francisco had, blah, blah, blah. But still. Cleveland, with a backup quarterback, beat the best team in the NFL that we perceive. I think that was a pretty impressive win. Um, and then the, the other reason I'm surprised we didn't see this get to three is because the Colts really looked poor on Sunday. Gardner Minshew threw a bunch of uh, interceptions. He turned it over, I think, four times. And Jacksonville really put the hammer down on Indy. Um, and, and, Chris, you think that the defense, Cleveland, uh, a decent spot here under a field goal uh, to get a win on the road? Yeah, you know, uh, I... I for some reason, I just think that uh, that win versus San Francisco is the type of win that brings a team together. And I think, and this is somebody that's rooting for Baltimore hard for that division. Uh, I'm nervous about the Browns. Uh, and it, uh, I realized the last week was fluky, but they came away with that win. And that's a bonding type takeoff and run with it type of uh, win as far as I'm concerned. And their defense is pretty darn good. And I just am, I, for some reason, I just feel like uh, even a teaser leg on Indianapolis isn't, uh, you know, something that I would be jumping up and down about. Uh, you know, I think I mentioned it last week when I was taking Dallas. Boy, the char- I'd rather have the Chargers uh, teaser. And I feel that way about another game I'll talk about later today. Uh, but on this game, you know, I'm going to stick with the Browns in the low number. Minus two and a half. Uh, I have this uh, rated higher. I think that they should be laying at least a field goal plus. So I I see some value there. Both of these teams are trending up uh, well. They're side by side over the last five weeks. Uh, But for the season, Cleveland's quite a few steps uh, above Indianapolis. So uh, I'll take my chances with the Browns and the Browns defense off a big win. In the message board, we had... uh a question about teasing totals in general, just never tease totals. It is rarely correct. Although I do think that Jay Spreadopedia mentioned in preseason, he plays 10 point teasers and really low totals. When they get below 37, he goes over, turns 36s into 26s. And if ever there was a time to tease a total, it certainly would be a total as low as 37. You would never tease like a 48 because it's more likely to land right on the number. Although I'd make the case There's a lot of volatility in the Vegas Bears game, for instance, in terms of how well the quarterbacks are going to play. So that'd be a reason not to tease a total. Uh, I make the Browns in this game three, but that's with a healthy Watson. I don't know how healthy Watson is, so I don't have confidence in that number. What's interesting, Jared, is you say we haven't seen a lot of movement in this game, and that's true, you know, where it was yesterday versus today. But actually, yeah. this has just been like the stock market day trading. This game's been going crazy. So a market influencer went ahead and moved on Cleveland, minus the two, two and a half, and over 39 and a half. Boom. It moves up to three and 41 and a half. And then the pros come in and say bullshit. Um, and they're, they're, they're like, Watson's not 100%. I'm taking the three. And I'll certainly take the under 41 and a half. Thank you very much. And we go right back down to two and a half. And like you could say, well, how can these winning players be on opposite sides? Because they're not on opposite sides because they're laying two and they're taking three. And that is indeed a very profitable middle. Same with over 39 and a half and under 41 and a half. 
Yeah, and it, it's kind of funny, and, and I, I, don't have a, I don't have a strong vibe on this game either. Usually the week after I'm wrong about a team or a game, I tend, unless the market overreacts and moves too much, which, again, you guys have kind of talked about the back-and-forth nature, but we haven't seen a big move from where that look-ahead was on Indy. And I, was, I, I, don't, think, I don't think Gardner Minshew is that guy. And, and I think the defenses he faces, the pressure he faces – when he goes up against the softer defenses, he might be able to show you a little bit. But I think against the defense like Cleveland, this is not a spot where I can trust him. So I, I, I like Chris's um, angle on the Browns. But does this stat scare you at all, Chris? The Browns are 3-13 and 13 straight up after a win since 2021. They haven't well, done I a do good worry job. About them having a, I, I worry about them potentially starting off uh, you know, soft uh, after the big win. Yeah. But as I mentioned, I... It just feels like possibly this is a uh, a real springboard for them. And uh, Indianapolis is vulnerable. And, uh, you know, that dink and dunk I don't think is going to work. So uh, while Cleveland may start off slow and maybe Indy gets out to a lead, uh, I think the door gets shut on them. Uh, and I believe that uh, Cleveland will wake up. And uh, I think they should be able to control this game. They are the better team. So... I just uh, under a field goal just seems like a bargain to me. Yeah, they've got the best defense in the league. I, I don't think that's up for debate right now. I think Jim Schwartz, if you if you were giving out defensive coordinator of the year awards, I think Jim Schwartz would be that guy right now. So yep. um, impressive stuff last week, shutting down that Niners offense. And maybe the defense sets the tone. Maybe the fact that it's a road game helps galvanize them a little bit. Again, I'm just kind of throwing narratives out there because I think the Browns are better, but that, that, that stat scared me because Cleveland certainly um, has struggled to continue with their momentum this year. And, Steve, uh, the, the one last question I have to follow up on your market movement, does that make you more interested in a game when you see, oh, wow, there are two really strong opinions on both sides, and it might actually push the number because of the strength of an opinion on one side. It might actually push the number further off than where it should be. Yeah, great question. In, in Wall Street, not that I'm an expert on this, but volatility equates to profitability. Yeah. You don't want to be day trading in a stock that's going to be like trading at the same price all week long. You want you want it going nuts, so up and down and taking advantage as such. So you love games where there's a difference of opinion and groups on oppo sides of things. And you can, like I said, just in one book, this total was at 39. And then an hour later it was at 41 half, and now it's at 40. Love wow. games like that. Yeah, up and down, trim profits when you can, buy one side, sell the other. Again, when you're dealing with the volume of bets that these gentlemen uh, fire away with every week, it, it might not be a very exciting way to watch the game, to try to land it on a, on, on a little small sliver of, of, of middle there. But um, in the long haul, when you're making thousands of bets, that, that, is, that, that, that is how you are profitable. Um, over the duration. All right, so uh, I Chris is laying. I certainly wouldn't want to have my chips in on the over on this game. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, 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 I thought I mean, Gardner Minshew, over, like, we were it... high on Gardner Minshew. You know, we, 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 we thought he was better than an average backup. I, I don't know if, if that's the case. I just don't. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, he's absolutely better than an average backup. Th- than I mean, an average backup, but, but I think Richardson gives them a better chance to win long term. To me, I that's agree. what I'm seeing in their two games, in, in, in their two games without him. Oh, unquestionably. But if um, if I got to choose between Richardson only able to run three times a game, yeah, I'd rather have Minshew. Richardson. 
healthy Richardson. And sadly, that that is not the case. I actually saw today that he um, just underwent season-ending surgery. So we will not be watching Anthony Richardson play for the Colts um, anytime this year. All right, so so Chris is going to lay two and a half with Cleveland. Um, Steve and I are staying off the game, but man, I, I just don't know how Minshew uh, moves it against his Browns defense. So I think the Browns certainly the uh, right side of this one. All right, let's move on. This game, um, some very strong opinions, uh, not only from the fandom perspective, but also from a betting perspective here is Chris's Detroit Lions are on the road this week, catching a field goal, although that one is trending, let's say, towards two and a half. Not quite there yet. Um, but we are seeing some movement on Detroit off the three a little bit. Um, this one was two and a half Monday morning. We saw a, a, a very uh, sharp group bet minus two and a half on Baltimore and push this one to three. But again, as I say, we've already seen that pushback on the three. And, and, and I'll, just, I'll just play it out simply for me, Chris, before I let you hammer this one home. But the Lions are rated ahead of Baltimore, and, and we don't get there on a home field. So I don't understand how, how Baltimore is favored by a full field goal in this game. I'm going to stop making my comments in our group chat. Then. <laughs> uh, it is it is really this simple. And, and, and here's a good uh, discussion about value. OK, uh, you know, we, we saw in a previous game, you know, one person likes plus three, one person likes uh, minus two and a half. It's the value. This game. As far as I'm concerned, you've got to be out of your mind to be laying minus three. Yeah. Win or lose, they, it, Detroit is the better team. They metrically rate the better team. They're rated higher than Baltimore in almost every poll I've seen. Uh, in my metrics, they're considerably better. And there are extenuating circumstances. Uh, you know, the Detroit's on a big winning streak. They've got a few injuries. They're going to get healthier. Uh, but nevertheless, Laying minus three against the better team, that means they got to win by four or more for you to win this. And it's it's just just an awful bet in the long run in this matchup to be laying that three if you like Baltimore. Again, they may win. We're talking value, and the value is not on Baltimore. The value is on the plus three with Detroit. And sure, they have some obstacles. M- Montgomery's out. Um, yeah. but they're going to get back Gibbs. Probably they might get back branch. Uh, they, they're very resilient and we see what happens with this Baltimore. This is the one team. There's three or four teams that I'm going to ding a half a point every game. And that is one of them is Baltimore. And I've been on Baltimore every week. I'm a, I'm very pro Baltimore. I have them for season wins, uh, for uh, divisional futures. So I'm very pro Baltimore. I've got my two two favorite teams basically playing each other. So, but objectively, uh, the coaching sucks. Harbaugh makes a mistake or two that are that that hurt that team multiple times a game. I am dinging Baltimore a half a point every game. And you have to. And by far, the coaching advantage goes to Detroit, the better team. So, I don't understand how. Baltimore may very well win, but there's no value in betting it. And in the long run, value is what wins. And uh, that's why I'm on Detroit. Hey, uh, I, I just think that the, am I, you know, calling it a mortal lock or anything like that? No. Could they lose by a touchdown? Sure. But there's certainly no value in betting Baltimore. There's a whole lot going on in the game. In fact, I could write an entire book on this one game. 
Um, directionally, I agree with 85% of what Chris says here. I, too, have Detroit the better team by half a point, so we don't get close to three. I make the game one. So why are the Lions not on my list? Well, I'm a little bit, maybe I'm a little bit too scared. It wasn't just one group. It was two groups. So one group laid the two and a half. That's fine with Baltimore. Then the second group comes in when the line's three, and they lay three, a very respected group. The line goes to three and a half, and I just say, that's crap. And I actually, and I'm, I'm on a conference call, um, and I'm like, we're taking the three and a half. That's stupid. All right, so so I have a big position in my pocket at, at plus three and a half, and it comes back down to three. But when these two big groups are both on a, a side and the number doesn't budge at all off of three, that means probably it's going to close two and a half, all right, because it's already back to three. Um, I do disagree with Chris. I think Baltimore is a finely coached team. I think Harbaugh is a great coach. He's a pioneer. He's done, did, did things like, you know, intentionally hold on punts, you know, so because it, there was no penalty. And how long ago was that? Well, he does it all the time. He, it, 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 Baltimore is an interesting, because I agree, their end game has been horrendous. They lose all these games where they're up 10. And I swear, I watch those games and I'm trying to figure out what goes wrong. And it's not, it's not coaching. It's the it's not, there's plenty of it's the offense of dumb. more so. And it's golden, I think more than it is, or Munkin more than it is, more than it is uh Harbaugh. Well, there, and there's plenty of dumb play calls that go on in the NFL week in sure. and week out. And it's very rare. Baltimore does something fun. What I consider to be fundamentally flawed with game management or timeouts. They just get unlucky every single fourth quarter. And maybe it's quarterback play. I, maybe it's their quirky offense doesn't work once the team gets to see it for four quarters. I'm really not sure, but I probably should be on Detroit with you guys. But um, I'm going to show a little, a little bit restraint just because of all the opposition I have and the and the um, the injury report on the lines I want to look at more carefully. So I'm on the sideline. You know they they've they've imploded. Uh, Baltimore has gotten out to these leads and they have imploded against two bad teams. They're, they can't afford. The, Detroit's the type of team that is certainly, if Baltimore gets out to a lead, the Lions are perfectly capable capable of coming back and steamrolling. So they just had this bad habit of, of fading in these fourth quarters. And this is the wrong team to be laying three against. You know, if they can't hold it together at home versus Pittsburgh and the Colts, they've already lost two home games that they shouldn't have. So now you're going to play one of the top league, top teams in the league and you're going to lay three again and, and, and claim that there's any value in laying minus three? Hell no, there isn't. And then how about the London hangover, guys? I mean, it didn't happen to Jacksonville like we expected last week. And I know Baltimore was only out there for, I think, five or six days, right? They came out Monday, Tuesday. I made a mistake. They, they played uh, They played at Pittsburgh on that game. I'm sorry. It wasn't a home game. Yeah, the three straight yeah. road games, not just London. They were yeah. on the road the two weeks before, so really bad. Yeah. yeah, they were at Cleveland. They had the big win at Cleveland. Then they lost the game where they bumbled it away in Pittsburgh. And then in London last week, I, I would say not fortunate to cover, but the way that that game played out, they should have won by three touchdowns. They fumbled away a million chances in the red zone. They had a couple of really just bad defensive lapses on kind of gadget plays for the Titans. And Tennessee is not a good offense. Like, I, I, you put Tennessee's offense against the Lions' offense, and I just I don't think there's really any comparison there. You want to say the running game's a little different? I, 
there's not one thing in this game that flashes, oh, Baltimore's going to bounce back and win big. And uh, Detroit's the better team. So we'll take three with the better team. Chris and I are on the Lions plus three. And if this gets to two and a half, right, this is teaser territory on, on the Lions on Sunday, right? I like sure. Baltimore a lot. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're a solid team, and they and they did they just don't have it together yet, uh, like that like they should. And and I think that they're going to get better throughout the season. Don't forget, they have all three road divisional games behind them, so that yeah. puts them in a kind of a, a real sweet spot uh, in that regard. Fez, if this thing drops to two and a half, tease up the lines to eight and a half. Yes. Yeah. Makes sense to me. I think that's. The, I, I think if you're not willing to take three with the lines, you're a little scared. There's a letdown coming. Um, I think that's the prudent approach because my guess is this market does get down to two and a half come Sunday. However, I will say Detroit has covered seven straight as an underdog. They certainly love being an underdog. And certainly consider if it drops to two point seven five and there's still a three, play a seven point teaser and lock in the plus ten. You know that's strong. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that's another option as well. And there's plenty of uh, plenty of teaser options this week including a game perhaps we're going to talk about right now if you want to take a seven-point tease and move it down because the Patriots right now are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite, or excuse me, it opened uh, on the look-ahead, Buffalo minus eight-and-a-half, up to nine now on the spread as the Bills are a road favorite. And, guys, we can argue that it was a London hangover. We can argue that maybe Brian Dable knew the signals and made it really hard for Buffalo's offense to operate. But let's be honest, the, the Bills' offense looked really poor Sunday night against the Giants, and they were very fortunate to win that game. Um, the Patriots' offense continues to be a sieve. I would say fortunate to be within striking distance of that number against the Raiders. I know the safety at the end of the game makes it feel like a bad beat, but um, the Patriots just continue to struggle offensively, and Mac Jones, I don't really know where we go from here, but <laughs> I, can't, I can't get past this Bills game. They were a 15.5-point favorite against the Giants. They only scored 14 in the game. Are we going to trust them as a as a almost a double digit favorite on the road this Sunday, Fez? You say you know, no. here locally, and I think it's it's Andy Isco is the is is a fellow who's been in the industry for years. He used to love to say, like in college games, when you're laying 24 and you only score 17, it's yeah. hard to cover. <laughs> hard um, to cover. <laughs> the uh, you know you know Josh Allen. I'm worried. Uh, if you watch the game, not one but two injuries: one to the head, one to the shoulder. Got banged around in that game. Giants certainly could have won. Um, you got a team going, you know, similar to Baltimore, you but Buffalo, you got a team going to London, then they come back to the States and now, um, shorter week, they're going to, you know, to new England traveling again, short travel. Uh, my numbers make it seven and a half. I hate, I hate the concept of backing a team that has looked horrendous for not one, not two, but really three straight weeks. But, um, I love catching points with um, a team when my numbers say it should be less. So I'm on the Patriots. It's a play plus nine. I kind of uh, look at this game as uh, probably a slower pace game. The last uh, two times they met in New England, I, I, I don't know what the total was two games ago, but it, looked, it was probably under also. But uh, Allen's hurt, so he's not going to be as mobile. That's going to make them a little bit more predictable. Uh, the Patriots' offense certainly uh, dead last, actually, in my rankings for the season. They're, the, the Giants and Pittsburgh have better offenses. So wow. uh, New England's having problems on offense. Buffalo's been you know, kind of having some issues. Obviously, they barely got by the Giants last week. 
the Giants have the worst defense in the league, and Buffalo scored how many on Monday night? 14 points. So I, I like... Uh, I like the first half under in this game, 20 and a half. You have to be over that 20 in this. And uh, I think the full game probably goes under also. But uh, I'm going to focus on the first half here. And as far as the side goes, my numbers say to lay the points with Buffalo. Uh, I I don't know what I'm going to do with them uh, at this point, but I don't want to lay more than a touchdown with Buffalo in this spot. So, I'll be evaluating, you know, whatever options I have, but uh, strong metrics on Buffalo. Yeah, I I like your first half under vibe here. I see some 20 and a halves out there. Unders nine and three this year with these two teams. So these teams have played unders all year. It's been obviously the Patriots five worst offense, maybe of a generation. Um, and, And with Buffalo, they've been much more buttoned up defensively than they have been offensively so shop around for this number because i found some eights and some eight and a halfs out there on buffalo and at that point you tease it down right like if you get a seattle minus one and a half and a buffalo minus two minus two and a half teaser right fez that's a pretty decent angle on this game yeah so the traditional wong teasers are on the favorite side you you take a minus eight down to a minus two wong doesn't um, like the road favorites, and in okay. fact, he does not recommend them. He says stay away from them, but that's just because they're not as strong as the home favorites, like Seattle. It doesn't mean you don't have value. If you do feel that Buffalo has value in the minus eight, then certainly they'd have more value with the teaser down to minus two. I agree. Yeah. You know, I want yeah, to comment. I think that's I'm not well sure played. I've ever seen a team fall this far in a five week span. I have New England has dropped. New England has dropped t- over 10 points of value uh, on my model in five weeks. I don't think I've ever seen double digits in a five-week span. It, it, they're dead this last, obviously, Belichick, in the right? league like, last like, five weeks. He is not he, – he, he, I think he has clearly lost his fastball. I read an article that this dude has drafted like three kickers in the last four years, and the guy that they cut, Nick Falk, is like perfect this year. But they drafted this kid out of LSU. I forget where. Maybe I don't know where they've drafted. Like, what is like? How do you coach a team with Bill Belichick's mindset right now? Because clearly he's lost the fastball. You know, I did a study on Hall of Fame coaches. What was interesting is like you look at all these guys that were tremendous, um, Tom Landry, etc. And then when they hit age sixty, they become average coaches. Yeah. In fact, these all these Hall of Fame coaches from age sixty on. They only win 52% of their games, despite winning like 67% before their age 60. But Belichick was the exception. He was like winning um, like 70% before age 60 and then 76% from age 60 to age 66. And maybe all yeah. of a sudden, the, the everything caught up to him. Maybe he doesn't get Brady's um, shakes anymore. Or maybe he just doesn't get the advantage of Tom Brady in the locker room making each and every other player better. I think you nailed it. I think that you was know. it right there. Yes. I, I, um, and I think it's obvious who won the divorce, right? Like, it, it, it's blatantly obvious right now that the Patriots, I mean, they're one and five. They're going to be one and six after this week, probably. I mean, they are arguably in contention for the number one pick in the NFL. Oh, and I'm yeah. sure Brady Belichick gets, will figure out a way to trade back and draft a kicker. Brady gets the beach house in Destin, Florida, and um, – <laughs> Clearly, Belichick is going to get, you know, gets gets the condo in, in Niagara Falls. Yeah, Ugh, I could just see Belichick now. Oh, how many times can I trade back if we get the number one overall pick? 
um, in the draft. Well, that's a possibility, Billy. Keep losing games. Um, Chris has taken uh, the under in the first half here. I like that look. I'm actually going to go bet it right now once we get finished with the show. Um, and uh, Fez is on the Pats, plus nine, in this battle of AFC East rivals. All right, let's move on. Speaking of Eastern Division rivals, the Commanders heading to MetLife Stadium this week, take on the Giants. It's the final game in the early window on Sunday. Look at here, Washington minus one and a half. Hasn't moved a ton off of that number. Commanders, hey, nice road win in Atlanta. Say what you want about the Falcons, but going on the road off that Thursday night loss against the Bears, the Commanders bounced back very nicely. And the Giants, hey, you could say what you want about the way that game finished, but I would say overall a pretty positive performance in Buffalo, easily covering the number and they were one play, one inch, one yard away at the goal line from upsetting the Bills on Sunday night. Total here open 41 and a half. We've seen it bet down. Guys, when I look at these two teams play, it is always an under. It feels under vibes between these teams. That's what the trend says. The Giants played a lot of unders. Of course, we have an under trend overall in the NFL. But none of us are playing the under this week except for me. So I'll let Chris start with his look on Washington. <laughs> Well, why are you playing? The, you're going to play the under? I am going to play the under. What number? I got 39 is what they gave us. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, I was looking at the uh, the first half. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's definitely the look in this game. Don't forget they uh, they played to this 2020 tie last year. That's and, uh, right. I, I remember that that screwed me somehow, either on a middle or, or something <laughs> I had going. Uh I remember it went to overtime and I was really excited. And, and then I'm like, wait a minute, it can't end in a tie. <laughs> so uh, I do remember that much, but this is sort of like Dallas Monday night. I, uh, my, you know, boy, I'd really like to have the Giants teaser. Uh, like I wanted the Chargers teaser on Monday night, but my numbers say I have to play Washington. So uh, I'm laying, uh, I, I, I'm laying the two with the Washington team. Not jumping up and down about it, but they're clearly the better team by my model. Uh, the Giants are, are just abysmal in every aspect. I'm trying to uh, see what they've done. Uh, the, they're, they're trending exactly the same the last five weeks, but overall, uh, Washington's much better. I uh, That's about all I have to say on this. I mean, neither of these teams are dependable. I just have to go by what they're doing, and there's such a significant difference. I have to take Washington. I'm not sure whether the Giants are just running out of gas or what, but, you know, that was a tough loss they had against Buffalo. So, you know, what's their men- mental state uh, coming into this game? Washington still, you know, they're still on life support here. So uh, I think that they are, they'll be properly motivated. So, and I believe that they honestly do have the better team. So, I'm just going with the better team to basically win. Hieroglyphics 7 Gambler says he would play he wouldn't play the Giants against Alabama. I'm going to come <laughs> on record I would I would lay 16. I would play the Giants against Alabama. I would lay 16 with the Giants against Alabama. Yeah. Heck Alabama, Alabama can barely beat college teams this year. Alabama might lose by 16 to 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 to, yeah. um, to Michigan. So um, I, I do get a kick out of. I'm going to bust Chris's balls here. So you know, Washington, he has the better team. They're they're on the road and they're favored. Of course, they're the better <laughs> team. I agree. Um, and I and I do, but I do actually directionally agree. Not only are they better, they're significantly better. I make them a 2.75 point favorite. So I'm a okay laying two and a half 
it, it's gone up basically from minus two to minus two and a half. Um, I am going to do a teaser. The Giants teaser, I'm kind of mad on, but it, I love the Seattle teaser. So because I love the Seattle teaser so much, I want to get extra Seattle teaser yeah. money. So that is going to be a play for me, teasing the Giants to Seattle. I will say, sometimes you hear like pro gamblers and that we talk about their great portfolios and everyone always talks about, oh, in pocket, I have this. And it's always, you know, beats the market by five points. Well, boys, in pocket, I have the New York Giants minus two because I thought the Giants were indeed the better team back in May when I made this better June. And now I'm I just laid two at the win. I just did it on the app one minute ago. So I laid the last minus two on Washington. So how's that for a portfolio? I got both teams minus two. So please, God, go to overtime. Well, maybe not because when they go to overtime, they tie, right? And I wind up losing both bets. So we'll see how it works out. Yeah, I, I, I do appreciate the transparency because I've made plenty of terrible wagers in my life, but I'm not a professional gambler. Steve is, and clearly you made a bet six months ago. Yeah, see, five months ago. Um, and the market has flipped. And, and, and I think, Fez, it kind of speaks to where we are on the Giants, right? Last year they won a playoff game. I mean, that there's only a handful of teams in the NFL every year that can say they win a playoff game. The Giants were one of those teams last year. And I just think overall it was a enchanted season for not only the Giants, but also the team that they beat in that playoff game, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. And then they all came crashing down to earth the following week against the Eagles, and you kind of see who the Giants are. I think through the first six weeks of the season, we are seeing who the real Giants are. you got to give just... Dayball credit, though. At the end of the first half, if you missed it, they did an interview with them, and they said, what went on there with you running the ball with 14 seconds left? And obviously, you know, quarterback just completely, completely incompetent, low football IQ. And he's just like, he's just, I'm not going to talk about that, which was good. You know, he didn't yeah. throw his quarterback under the bus, but it was absolutely clear that he had, I mean, it's, I'm sure he had told Taylor, got to throw the ball. And he did. Yeah. Oh, he was pissed. I mean, I, I saw the video of him walking over to the sidelines after the play. And Dable was, for the last two weeks now, I have seen visible frustration from Brian Dable. And it's obvious he's coaching a bad team. He's a good coach. I think there's a few things, too. The element of surprise, right? Last year, no one had any tape on what he would do as a head coach. We knew what he would do in Buffalo. Different personnel with the Giants. They were able to kind of, you know, element of surprise on some teams this year. But we, we haven't seen that. I mean, everyone knows what kind of the Giants are now with Daniel Jones. And now you go to Terod Taylor and it's a step back. I think the defense is is playing well enough to compete. And that's why I like the under in this game. I think the Giants' defense is, is playing a little bit better, especially up front. They're going to stop this commander's running game. But the commander's defense, finally, finally, the defensive line that's getting like $100 million, $200 million a year combined with all of those defensive linemen, finally put together a good performance on the road against Atlanta. They held the Falcons, who might be one of the better running teams in the league, to 106 yards on 29 carries last week on the ground. So I, I think you shut down Saquon, you make the Giants one-dimensional. They can't beat you up top. And I think this Giants defense still has a little starch. These games have trended under. You've seen the Giants play a lot of unders this year. It, it feels like an under game. I'll take under 39. Um, Chris is uh, going to lay two with the Commanders, and, and, and Fez is using the Giants in a teaser leg. And we will get to everyone's favorite teaser leg of the week, the second leg of that teaser, um, right now as we move to the late window on Sunday. Cardinals at Seahawks. Look ahead here, Seattle minus seven. It has been bet up into that prime, mwah, chef's kiss teaser range, seven and a half. Um, listen, guys, Seattle played really tough on Sunday. They played well enough to win that game. 
They couldn't quite get over the hump. Some red zone deficiencies. I thought the Bengals defense really showed you how tough they are. But that was a really tough game. Could have gone either way. Seattle got the win. They got or Seattle failed to win um, and failed to cover in Cincinnati. But now they come back home and they face this Arizona team. Didn't score a touchdown against the Rams. I think we're starting to see the Arizona team that we expected pre-flop, which was a perhaps worst team in the NFL kind of roster. And this is not an easy environment to play. And we're all kind of in agreement. Chris, I'll start with you. Seattle, the teaser leg of the week. Yeah, it, 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 Arizona's kind of come back down to earth since Connor's been out. He was a key component to their offense. Uh, it makes it a little harder for them to do well. They have fallen apart. You know, they've shown up every first half, but have fallen apart in three games badly. And, and I believe it's the last two in a row. So Seattle has gotten healthier since the beginning of the season. Uh, that's a tough loss against Cincinnati. They certainly deserved uh, better, but uh, they didn't get it. They come back home. The 12th man will be there. I don't show much value on the spread over a touchdown with Seattle, but I certainly like them in a teaser in this situation. Uh, I might be doubling up with Seattle in, in, in multiple ways. Uh, I just I also believe that uh, uh, it's going to be really tough uh, for Arizona just to, to manage it all. I mean, you look at how Detroit struggled with uh, managing Seattle, and Seattle's in better shape than they were when they faced Detroit. So uh, I think it, Seattle's a really good team and uh, legitimately a good team. Uh, I have them almost in the top 10. So uh, they're right there at the border. And we know that a top 10 team or a top uh, 12 team should certainly beat uh, a bottom five team. So uh, it's pretty simple. Take yeah, Seattle. Doghouse Riley. Oh, I have that paired with, uh, I have that paired with uh, Atlanta, by the way. Yeah. Doghouse Riley says another dreadful game. Wrong, Doghouse. Wrong. Great Wrong. Sir. No, this game. is a good game. Wrong, sir. Good day, sir. <laughs> little Willy Wonka quote. No, we take, uh, I make the game eight and a half, so I get a home team that I'm making eight and a half, and it's seven and a half. I can take it to minus one and a half. I reach in. What do I grab? I grab my betting chips, and I, uh, Love it. big, what is that, KGB? Should I take the dice? I'll yeah, not, the not, not, the, not, by the way, the, the Bet US uh, college football guys, I call it the KGP, the Kyle Gary Parker. <laughs> now I'm going to do a KGB here, and I'm going to go, I go, I go, big, big bets. Big Seattle bet. <laughs> teaser. I got him with the Giants. I'll take him with Miami as well for a second bet. I love it. Yeah, so I, in, in the case of not doubling up all of our picks, I didn't list the Seattle teaser. They're like, I'm just betting the Seahawks in this game. Um, I am also betting lots of Seattle teasers. I've got them tied to the, there's one book that had a, a, a two and a half on the Lions. I'm probably going to play, uh, you know, Seattle with the Lions on a teaser. I'm absolutely going to play the Dolphins um, going from two to eight. But again, we're all hammering the Seahawks teaser legs and for, for good reason. They are the best teaser leg of the week. But I, I'll be honest, guys, I think they just blow out the Cardinals. I, I don't think this game is going to be close. The Seahawks have played Arizona really tough over their last five, four and one against the spread. And the Cardinals have struggled in the division. All of their recent solid play this season have come outside of the division. So this is a tough spot for Josh Dobbs and a running game that is now non-existent without James Conner. 
and then you add in Seattle off a loss where I think it's a game they should have won. All the situational angles align here, and at 7.5, Fez makes the game 8.5, so I don't have any issues laying 7.5 if my partner here says the game should be 8.5. So while I'm also playing a lot of Seattle teasers with all over the board this week, um, I'll just take Seattle and and lay 7.5 because I I do think this is one of my favorite spots of the week in terms of a home favorite putting some distance between themselves and the road underdog. And we're all in agreement. Tease the Seahawks this week, however you want, with whatever other teams you want. But they are a very favorable teaser leg. All right, let's move on to an interesting game. Um, And the reason I say it's interesting is because I always love seeing how teams respond off the bye that have struggled, right? Teams that are playing below expectation, the Pittsburgh Steelers, off of a bye, how do they respond? They are a three-point underdog at the Rams this Sunday afternoon, right? We're not going to give too much home field for L.A. in this game, but both of you are in agreement, Chris and Steve, that L.A., despite the Steelers being off the bye, um, is the move here. Chris, I'll start with you. I, 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 Pittsburgh has no offense. Uh, it's amazing that they have three wins. It's just uh, flabbergasting. So I, I just think it's an anomaly that can't keep up. Uh, the Rams have an issue this week with their their running backs. They're going to have to basically go to the uh, uh, Kroger's or Smith's or Ralph's and, and, and get a bag boy to uh, set up in the backfield. But they've got a great receiving core. They have Stafford, and they are facing a team that is extremely vulnerable in the secondary. And they should have success against Pittsburgh. They should be able to move the board. They should the ball. They should be able to score. And I don't know how Pittsburgh's going to keep up, even though they are getting healthier. They're getting some some components back on offense that may help. But I think they have so far to go offensively, and the Rams are pretty darn good. Reasonably, uh, they're playing reasonably well on defense. Uh, I I just see all the value on the Rams here. I have uh, this uh, significantly higher. So uh, I I know uh, Steve would call me crazy, but if it was four, I'd be laying minus four. I won't call you crazy because I make it three and a half on a neutral. So I have, I too have the Rams significantly better. Now, how much am I going to give them for home field? Probably a point because, um, you know, Pittsburgh will represent, but I get to four and a half. And if I can lay three in a game that should be four and a half, absolutely, I'm going to do it. And I think Jared nailed it. Now, when a team is doing lousy and they go on a buy, that's a team I usually want to bet on because they, they're focused. Mm-hmm. But you know that Pittsburgh's doing lousy. I know they're doing lousy. Coach Tomlin knows they're doing lousy, but these players are thinking we're three and two. We're doing just fine. Let's go to Cabo and enjoy our time off. And if you watch that Baltimore Pittsburgh game, they got they got creamed. They got crushed. And don't tell me it was because of, of all that you know defensive pressure Pittsburgh got. Baltimore dropped two touchdown passes. So Rams win by seven. Everybody mm-hmm. wins. Rams minus three. I'm on it. Yeah. To- this is an interesting game, I think. This game, I think, will tell us a lot more about Pittsburgh than it will about the Rams. I, I think that's where I'm at here with, with this one. Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, both trending in a positive direction this week. Those names cannot be overstated in terms of the ability of the Pittsburgh offense to become multidimensional. Fryermuth is a very good over-the-middle, tough pass catcher, and Deontay Johnson's their deep threat. And getting those guys back, I, I, I think, will 
uh, positively impact their offense. The question here is, and I'll ask one follow-up question on this game because this is where I'm at. I'm betting the over in this game. And I think it's, I'm giving Matt Canada one more chance because I'll be honest, if I don't see immense improvement, Chris, with Pittsburgh's offensive scheme, continuity, I am off the Matt Canada train forever. It, it does, does that scare you at all with you guys on the Rams this week, knowing, all right, this guy's probably going to lose his job if the Steelers' offense does not turn it around really fast? I'm going to be yeah, like that, Lucy. That total, that total scares me. Uh, uh, you know, how, much, how many do you think uh, the, the Pittsburgh can score? I mean, 24 is the minimum, I think. That 24, they, 24, get 17 puts this thing under. I'm gonna be like Lucy. I'm gonna hold up. I'm gonna hold up the football here. Go kick it. Go kick it, Jared. Play Matt yep. Canada games over. Yep. Good luck with that. And you know what? We will recircle because the Steelers play next week. We will put a pin in the Matt Canada discussion. I will risk my neck and my my uh, shame um, and bet the over in this game at uh, 44 and hope, pray that Matt Canada learned something during his week off. I'm not overly confident, but I just so what? That's where, the where do you see the score game. being? I see this I being a 24-21 game. 24-21. Okay, gets us to 45. Doesn't matter who wins. 24-21. Oh, it I matters. actually kind of like the Steelers. It matters, three. Jared. Don't say that. It matters. Yeah, it matters. It matters to the two guys on my left and right because they are both on the Rams, and I am going to pray. To the Canadian gods that Matt Canada figures something out. He's not Canadian, but um, we might send him to Canada if he doesn't figure things out. Um, I'm on the over 44 in the Steelers and the Rams. All right, uh, this game is going to be a probably better watch than the last game we were just talking about. This game always seems to be a better watch. Uh, Chargers and Chiefs, I love when these two teams play. Although we had an interesting chat in our little group text this week about um, the overall quality of Justin Herbert. And I'm going to get the boys' thoughts about that in just a minute. But first, the numbers here. Look ahead here was Kansas City minus six. Not a ton of movement, even though the Chiefs won, barely covered against the Broncos last Thursday. They are certainly at a rest advantage. They've had 10 full days off while the Chargers failed to meet expectations Monday night against the Cowboys losing that game by a field goal. So uh, a big 10-day rest advantage here for the Chiefs, only six days for the Chargers. Do we factor that into the game at all? Chris, I will start with you. You've got to play here. Um, short week? Yeah, I don't, you know, these divisional matchups are always going to be tough and they're always going to be up for them. So the, the issue that I see here is, off the bye, the Chargers were very unimpressive on Monday night. And mm-hmm. Herbert is just not getting it done. He hasn't gotten it done last year. He hasn't gotten it done this year. And the team just is not there. There's just something missing with the Chargers. Over the last five weeks, you know, it's it's odd to see good teams that start off in a good position continue to trend upward. And Kansas City is trending upward still quite a bit. Uh, and the Chargers are trending down. So these are two teams, uh, by my metrics, that are going in opposite directions. So I definitely like Kansas City in this situation. But we all know that Kansas City is not concerned with uh, getting margin, so to speak. So uh, it, it's a really tough situation. Uh, I'm supposed to play at minus the points. I want to see what happens with this spread. 
Uh, right now, what I really do like is I'm pairing it with another game that uh, I definitely don't want to be laying the points on, but I need to be involved in. I'm going to Moneyline Parlay Kansas City with San Francisco, and that's laying minus 112 uh, to get that done. Uh, I feel pretty good about that. So uh, that's my play on this one. You know, I like I kind of like that Kansas City money line play. Um, yeah, I like it too. It's a 10-6 game. You got one team's got 10 days to prepare Kansas City. Yeah. Chargers only six. I actually make this spread seven. I'm interested. Why am I not landing on oh, Kansas wow. City? Because every LAC game seems to land on the Chargers lose by one <laughs> to three points, right? So because of that, that and I, I'm worried Kelsey's not 100%, and at some point, you know, you can have a god at quarterback with no one to throw to and. Um, I, so because of that, I guess, unless you're the uh, $6 million man, one famous episode, he and Larry, he was, he and Larry Zonka beat eight bad guys on the field. Go check that out. $6 million man. Um, but at minus two thirty, minus two, minus two twenty five is even out there. Um, shop around for the best number. Um, but I, it seems like a real stretch for the chargers to win this game in a game that we do think it's going to be somewhat close, right? Yeah, that, I, I think the best move in this game is is to get the Chiefs on the money line in some way. Or if it gets bet up, it won't. But if it gets bet up and, uh, through the key number of seven, then then obviously you tease the Chiefs down. But that's not going to happen. Um, I would say money lines money lines probably the safest play. The Chiefs have struggled to score though, and that's I just saw they made a couple of moves. They just traded for Miko Hardman. Whether that moves the needle at all for either of you guys, he's back on the team from the Jets and they're letting Frank Clark come in for a workout this week. So they're just bringing back old players from their prior Super Bowl teams <laughs> with the hope that they get a little chemistry or something offensively, right guys. And we'll, I, I think that's the key is we want to see more offensively from the chiefs, but defensively they look pretty darn good. Um, and Chris uh, is going to lay a money line parlay here with. Yeah, I do want to comment. Uh, they see some yeah, chat on the uh, Kansas city defense and yeah, Kansas city's, you know, a thorn in its side, uh, even when they won the Super Bowl, is they never had a top 10 defense. No. They definitely have a top 10 defense. Uh, uh, it's 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 right there, uh, right in the middle. So uh, they're much better defensively, and that takes some pressure off of their offense. Yeah. And they really should be 6-0. and oh. They're missing their, their best interior defender. 100%. And the pick six, when the idiot wide receiver dropped the ball against the Lions, and that loss to the Lions is not looking nearly as bad. No. That has aged well. That loss maybe has aged better than any loss has in the entire league this year. I think if you look at what we thought the Lions were going to be on opening night, we thought they were going to be a good team. We did not think they were going to be a top five DVOA team through the first six weeks of the year. I think that was, uh, you know, two. Yeah, Chris is holding up two. We, we didn't, right, Chris? In a million years, you've been following this Lions team since you were a kid. You didn't think they were a top two DVOA team in this current iteration for the first six weeks. I mean, massively over-exceeded expectations, I think, in Detroit. Yeah, their their offensive metrics are miles ahead of those glory days with Megatron and Barry Sanders. Uh, wow. Uh, it, not even close. Wow. Yeah, that that I'll be honest, that, that would be a fun rematch in the Super Bowl. I don't know if we're going to get it, but that, that would be a very interesting rematch. Uh, if we get Detroit and Kansas City. I know a lot of people back in the Motor City would love that, but task at hand, Chiefs on the money line here. Um, 
as a money line parlay. I think it's a great look. I think I'm going to be getting in the window on this money line parlay uh, very soon. All right, let's move on. Last game in the late window Sunday, Packers at Broncos. They want to talk about Super Bowl rematches, right? Little John Elway, Brett Favre days from the 90s. Uh, not quite the quarterbacks we're going to get on Sunday with uh, Love and Wilson. Uh, Green Bay minus one on the look ahead here. Not a whole lot of movement. Chiefs played that tough game last Thursday, or the Broncos, excuse me, played that tough game against the Chiefs last Thursday. So they do get some extended rest here, but the Packers off the bye. And maybe that's a disadvantage, right, for the Packers, guys. None of us have any plays on this game, but from a talking point perspective, the Packers off the bye, but that advantage is kind of completely moot because the Broncos have had 10 days off, right, Chris? Uh, yeah, what is that going to help? I, I honestly question uh, the coaching with Denver at this point. Uh, uh, there was that egregious timeout that helped the other team uh, kick a field goal that was crucial. And I, it, I hate to be a conspiracy guy, but it, it does. It would not surprise me if they're just going to, you know, kind of monkey around with inefficient coaching uh, so that they can have some higher draft pick. I don't know. But uh, it, again, it, I'm just saying it's possible. I don't know. You, you never know what goes on because it's hopeless for Denver. They're, they're not going anywhere. I'm, I've got Denver season wins over that's not going to sniff uh, anything. So I have both of these teams just going down. Uh, Denver's going down the floorboards. Green, Green Bay is, is going down the floorboards. Uh Two bad teams, when in doubt, you take the points, and there are no points to really take. So <laughs> my, my model leans Green Bay. If if Denver becomes the favorite, then I might get involved. But, it, you know, geez, this is just the Special Olympics, if you ask me. I, oh. You know, there's just better things to do with the investments, and uh, I'm going to sit this one out. Yeah, I've got Green Bay minus two, so Chris and I both are on the same page that um, – I'm not excited about teasing Denver um, just oh. because I've got Green Bay, you know, clearly should be the favorite in this game. A little blast from the past. You mentioned the Super Bowl. I'm going to put my fellow panelists on the spot. What was the spread in the Green Bay victory? Um, excuse me, in the Denver victory against Green Bay, always for Super Bowl. Two? I would say field goal. Maybe a little 11. Higher. 11. Yeah. And, the, and Denver and the was minus I, 11, right? The reason I bring it up, and I'm I, sorry to put you on the spot, is that narratives can play such a, a strong part in big games like that. So if you recall, the Broncos were indeed the Buffalo Bills prior to that, where Elway yeah. was awesome in the drive yeah. and the fumble, but he couldn't play a lick in the Super Bowls, and Denver was 0-3, and defending champion um, was, uh, was the Packers, so that yep. the Packers were getting... All the love, and it was like, oh, we've seen this movie before. Denver gets smashed, but Denver had a ground game that year, and McCaffrey started with the touchdown, and that was just a tremendous game back and forth. That was one of the first games I've ever seen where a, te a team let the other team score intentionally with the game tied. They went ahead and parted like the Red Sea and let um, Denver go wow. up seven, and then Green Bay drove the length of the field. Wow. Yeah, that was the helicopter game, right? Where Elway got spun around. Yeah, like a like a helicopter. Um, that's one of the more iconic Super Bowl highlights. That was a good run, man. That was a good run for the Packers because they won the Super Bowl the prior year um, against the Patriots. I remember Desmond Howard had the big return. So that was a fun. That was a great. Man, that was the golden days of the NFL. That was when I was just starting to really get into the league in and my the Broncos, teenage years. 
the dynasty started the two-year dynasty yeah. because then they 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 crushed everyone and 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 took out the dirty birds of atlanta yep. the following year. and then my poor jets in 1998 had a chance to beat the broncos keith byers fumbled on the goal line and, and the rest as they say is history the jets would have won that super bowl because, i don't recall Great. Don't recall seeing the Jets in my lifetime in the Super Bowl, although I was, what, four? Four years old? So I it's missed It's going to happen one. this year, Fez, just because you said it now. It's going to happen this year. Aaron Rodgers is going to come back, and they're going to breeze through the playoffs. You just only, wait, only in reruns. <laughs> I, I did see there's Fantasy a lineup. right there. <laughs> Bet U.S. has a lineup, Will, I believe. Will Aaron Rodgers play a snap this year? 100% yes. Absolutely. And the plus yes. was 220. The plus is, is catching money. I don't I, think it's 100 percent plus. And we can talk about five. that on a separate. I, I think there's. I think he's absolutely playing this year. Not if they're five absolutely. and ten. I don't know if they're going to be five and ten. I think, I think they're going to hang in there. Eight and nine. And be kind of eight in nine the mix. for the Jets. Eight wins. Yeah. It might get into the playoffs this year in the AFC. I love these conversations because they have nothing to do with our next game, which is Sunday night, um, which is actually the game of the week, guys. We should be giving this game the most. We should put this game on a pedestal. This could be a Super Bowl preview. So look at here was Philly minus three, and we've seen some movement off of that number. Of course, what do we see on Sunday? The Dolphins toyed with the Panthers. They fell behind 14 nothing. And then they said, yeah, enough of that. Um, we're going to go 42-7 down the stretch. They uh, won and covered. Um, Eagles uh, didn't really have the best performance, guys. Uh, Jalen Hurts all of a sudden maybe looks a little vulnerable. They turn it over a bunch in the second half. The Eagles did not score a point in the second half against the New York Jets without their two best corners, without four out of their top five corners. How do we explain what we saw on Sunday? Chris, I'll start with you here because it just it feels like we we haven't seen the best Philly yet, and I don't know if they're just going to randomly show up against the best offense in the league. Well, quietly, actually, Philadelphia has been, even with that Jets loss, uh, they have been playing better overall. In fact, over the last five weeks, they have played, uh, they have gained the most. So they had a, a really poor start that, uh, you know, put them kind of in the doldrums metrically, and that's what people were talking about with their underperformance. But over the last five weeks, they're they're the number one gainer, even with that Jets game. So that'll tell wow. you how strong uh, they have come on. Uh, whereas Miami, they still uh, it, 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 their defense is just not up to snuff. Uh, I, it's not good enough to be like a elite team at this point, elite team at this point. So. I have this game at two point. Actually, the Miami's trending down. They've actually lost value over the last five weeks, uh, but they started off very strong. So that's why uh, I have this game at two point two five. I would think a Miami teaser might be in play, but uh, I'm going to. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no play in this game that I want to recommend. Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting game to watch. At least finally a decent Sunday night game. <laughs> Boy, tough crowd here. Miami's gaining eight yards per play, and they're giving up five point two. That's a plus two point eight yard differential. Pretty good. Put some. That's like that's like better than like this than sixteen and zero Patriots. So, yeah. um, I get it. They played one bad game against Buffalo, but this team's just been off and it's just been tremendous arbo brings up the good point historically the dolphins can fade when the weather turns bad well the weather's still going to be fine i um i make it a virtual pick them so you know if you just coming in the show or you forgot seattle teaser big 
Big <laughs> fat. Big. We're gonna pair them with Miami here in a teaser. I love it. Yeah, this is another good teaser spot for the Dolphins this week. Does it concern you at all, Fez, that it's a high total? Yeah, I don't like teasing high totals, but um, you know what they you would think like a 37 total would be like way closer to the number than like a 52 total. And it, and it is, but not nearly to the extent that you would think. Yeah. I also really like the, um, just the, the fact that you're getting the eight because if they're down 14 late and they score a touchdown, you know, McDaniels is going for two. So there's a chance it could land eight. I mean, yeah, I, you're I honestly eight, think. And you're getting eight and a half now because they just bet the Eagles up to two and a half. Cause it's during the show. Now. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a good look. Um, I'll probably get there on a Seattle. I basically, my strategy this week is to use Seattle as my key and then tease three or four other games around Seattle. Um, and then hopefully the Seahawks don't uh, screw the pooch for us uh, in that afternoon window because there's a lot of really good options on the teaser board this week, but I think Seattle's the best option, and I agree that the Dolphins, uh, Steve, using them as the uh, second teaser leg on Seattle going down to minus one and a half, Miami up to eight. All right, let's get to Monday night. Because this game is, it was an interesting game like three years ago when these two teams met in the playoffs. But I think this year it's, it's, it's a relatively one-sided matchup unless you think what happened on Sunday with the Niners losing in Cleveland was just uh, something we might see more of. And it wasn't just a blip. We'll get the boys' thoughts on that in a minute. But first, Seattle, or San Francisco, excuse me, was seven and a half on the look ahead. And, and again, after that loss on Sunday, you're seeing it back down a little bit to that key of seven, but still juiced seven there. So maybe we'll get towards a six and a half, perhaps. Um, Chris, I'll start with you because you have a play here on this Niners money line parlay. Are, are you concerned at all that Brock Purdy finally looked human on Sunday without his uh, all-star cast around him with Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey both banged up? It looks like those guys are trending towards playing. They'll get an extra day with this being a Monday night game. Um, they look like they avoided any major injuries, but any concerns, red flags for you with Brock Purdy's performance on Sunday against the Browns? I think it's it, they are trending in. I'll bet. I'll bet. I'll bet at least one of them ends up sitting out. Uh, it, you know that that San Francisco game was just a disaster. The the referees took away a, a, a touchdown. There was a blatant touchdown. The 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 pass interference calls were you know inexplicable. Uh, just uh, you had three major injuries uh, hit San Francisco. That's a lot to overcome, especially on the road. So uh, I thought that uh, Purdy showed what he's made of. Very impressive. He did that. He he drove that. He did what he had to do. He drove that ball into field goal range and uh, followed the coach's instructions to uh, not run another play and get closer or whatever. Uh, so as far as Purdy goes, he's fine. Uh I paired this with Kansas City uh, on the money line, minus 112. I think this line might still come a little bit lower, but that's okay. Uh, I think that one of those guys will end up being out. They both could play. That would just be a, a bonus. But uh, they should have enough to squeak out this win. They're resilient. And uh, Minnesota's trending a little bit up. San Francisco's trending, you know, obviously, other than last week, way up. Uh, so I'm just looking for them to get the, uh, the small win. I, I just don't have any confidence, even though my numbers say lay the touchdown. I don't want to lay the touchdown. I make the game 6.75. So not much value here. 
we have to have at least one 80s movie reference, right? So I'm going to equate the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to use the movie The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So they got all these cool stalkers that are like invincible, like Debo and C-Mac and Purdy, and they're undefeated. Never, never had a casualty until they ran into the Cleveland defense, a.k.a. Big Bad Ben Richards. And then all of a sudden, that invincibility of the stalker is not so good when Sub-Zero and Buzzsaw and Fireball all start getting taken out and, like, carried over to the sidelines. So um, I, I definitely had to lower my Niner power rating from 9 to 7. I love it when Richard Dawson's on the phone. He's like, what's the contact sport, darling? We were bound to lose a stalker before the midseason. Um but Kirk Cousins is not exactly Ben Richards, and he's no, no good in prime time, typically, despite all the excuses people give. Heck of a nice guy, based upon what I saw from the quarterback. Yeah, Lots of words. Go see The Running Man. Watch that movie and have this game in the background. You don't need to bet on it. Yeah, I, I, I think the, the Niners should win, right? It's, it's as pretty easy as that. The Niners' defense isn't banged up, and, and Kirk Cousins still has a, has a tough task, so... Uh, Chris going with a Niners money line parlay, and he's adding the Chiefs as well in there um, for this Monday night game. All right, let's uh, let's get to some questions here because I really am I'm interested in some of these. We just got uh, some questions put to us in the chat. Let's get to Rodney's question. I love this one, and I'll start with you, Chris, since you're my analytics guy. What is the biggest takeaway when looking at DVOA? Uh, well, actually, Fez is more analytical than I am. So uh, really, sure. But uh, Fez, uh, you're more analytical. What's what's my biggest what's my biggest takeaway when I look at DVOA? Yeah, like when you look at DVOA, does it how does it move the needle for you? Uh, I, you know what the the only way it moves the needle for me is uh, they're ranking Detroit number two. Uh, but other than that, I don't even care what DVOA says. So. Um, I have issues with DVOA, but uh, my model runs pretty si – my model has Detroit number two also. So I'm running wow. right along with them, and I, I've noticed a lot of similarities with uh, their rankings sometimes. But then they'll have a, a handful of teams that are just way off, uh, and then they somehow miraculously correct. Uh, uh, how that happens, I don't know. But uh, uh, it, it doesn't move the needle for me other than it's just an observation. You know, it's interesting about all, a lot of the advanced analytics that so many people are using them now that I would argue, like, I like going back to old school yards per play because I understand it so much. Yeah. And then the DVOA stuff that I'm not on the cutting edge and I haven't used historically, I'm worried that I'm going to misuse it. Um, yeah. I'll say, like, you know, the eye test, if you know how to watch a game correctly, I'll use that Baltimore-Pittsburgh game. Not only did Baltimore kill Pittsburgh in that game, by DVOA and by the stats. If you watched it, they left like 100 yards and two touchdowns from drop passes as well that I don't think it's accurately measured in the DVOA numbers as well. So I would I would say you definitely can tweak it. You see it all the time. Like there's a 70-yard run and it gets called back by one holding call that's away from the play. Well, should you really get penalized because some ref calls too many penalties on stuff away from the ball? So there's a lot of tweaking that you can do with all those models. You know, I'll use an example. Like I love football outsiders who comes up with the DVOA and, 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 and the like, and Aaron Schwartz, but like consistently, like they would, they have a regression model where they assume yep. the really good teams are going to get way worse and the really bad teams are going to get way better. 
And I think they're going to largely be right this year, but they've been wrong for years. Like how many times did New England have to like win 12 games? They'd say, oh, I've got New England winning 9.8 games this year. And then New England would win 13 games year after year after year. So you have to take some of it with a grain of salt. Yeah, I, I, I think the way I'm, and I'm not this analytical genius. I think there are some really helpful tools out there for you to create a narrative talk about it on a podcast and do a show and maybe write about it. But DVOA misses a lot. Doesn't take any coaching decisions into account. Like how do you grade Josh McDaniels against one of the better coaches in the league in terms of the decisions that they make on third downs and fourth downs and the play calls it. So there's just a lot that DVOA doesn't account for. So to use it as a singular method on how you bet games, I think is a mistake, but it's a tool. It's a tool in your toolbox. When you need a hammer, use a hammer. When you need a screwdriver, use a screwdriver. And I think DVOA certainly can help with a lot of those things. But yeah, I'm kind of in in line with these guys in in terms of how I use it from a handicapping perspective. Um, Good uh, question here from Heath. Weather conditions play a big part on over and under, obviously. But Chris, what type of weather conditions matter more? (laughs) Wind. When once you get over 15 miles an hour, you've got to start uh, uh, looking at the total. It, it's uh, so, but uh, 15. You know, once you get over 20 miles an hour, now you're talking about serious issues. And I think we have over 20 miles an hour in the uh, uh, New England game with the Bills. I think they're scheduled. They're uh, predicted for 22, 23. But the problem is, is, this is a Wednesday, and that can change by Saturday. We saw last week. I think we talked about weather games coming up, and a lot of those weather games change. So uh, you have to be cautious on this stuff and and be sure. And unfortunately, you get too many people kind of, you know, moving too far ahead, and sometimes you've lost that value. If you wait for it to be 100% sure, well, that line's already moved on you. So you got to kind of weigh the positives and the negatives. Yeah, look at the Thursday game, Kansas City-Denver where the early forecast on wind was spot on um, and the game goes way under only 23 on 27 points. You do see um, with these big NFL stadiums, oftentimes the wind swirls on the college stadiums when it can be more open. You really want to know which way the wind's blowing also, because if you get a tailwind headwind, then you'll get, you'll get more scoring than when you get that cross yeah. across the field wind. That is just murderous for both teams. It's so hard to gauge your passes in that situation. And ideal, ideally, like let's say there was a hurricane that was blowing 80 miles an hour headwind. Well, whoever had the wind was going to score, and whoever had the was going into the wind was you know not even going to be able to punt. So you'd see lots of scoring in that situation. Yep. Well, and then the other thing that uh, you have to consider is you have to know the dynamics of the stadium. So you can have a very windy environment and the stadium may be completely, you know, recessed into the ground or may have certain dynamics around it where the wind doesn't affect the on field play. Uh, even though these, you know, the city and the surrounding area is, are high wind. So it, it gets kind of complicated You get, you have to do your homework and, and not just, you know, glance at a weather forecast and think you, you have it covered. Uh, and as somebody just mentioned, uh, that is one thing in Baltimore's favor against Detroit is I don't think Goff's going to be able to uh, uh, get those long balls like he normally is able to. So that's a concern there. Especially if the Lions can't run the ball. No Montgomery, no Gibbs, but I still I still like Detroit. I don't care. Um, 
Weather absolutely plays a factor, but for us to sit here on a Wednesday and make picks based off of the weather, I just don't think we're going to be doing that too often because we're wrong about weather all the time. I always joke when I used to work in local news, the only person wrong more than the guy that picks the games is the person that's predicting the weather because the meteorologists are wrong a lot. Uh, so be careful when you are basing your wagers on weather alone. Good question here um, from Heath. Again, Heath, great questions today, bud. Julio Jones added to the Eagles roster this week. Chris, does that move the needle at all for you in any direction? I don't think he's playing this week, is he? Probably not, but maybe long term. No, I don't think he's playing this week. So the, the, usually when they they have those immediate add-ons, even if the guy was activated, uh, yeah. he, you know, but do you think there's a lot that they have gonna, to, I mean, to get adjusted. At some point. Do you think that changes the Eagles' outlook at all for you? Didn't um, no, wasn't I he think, on the? I don't he on think the he'd commercial? be. I think so. With Dan Marino and Emmett Smith, those retired no. old dudes. No, that was Randy Moss. No, I think that was Julio <laughs> Jones. He was uh, on he, the commercial he does not, too. That's he really. Does, funny. I'm kidding. He doesn't move the needle. Is my point. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, last question here for, from Mark, any team totals is team total. You guys bet team totals very often. Chris, I'll start with you. I bet Southern Miss last night under that went under, but generally only if somebody tells me to bet it, do I bet it? I don't handicap it myself. Mm. Best team totals move the needle for you at all, bud. I don't like team totals because they don't typically come up till later in the week. And oftentimes they're priced at minus minus one fifteen in each direction where I like team totals and I'm pulling back the curtain here. Um, this is how pros make money is that all of a sudden, boom, quarterback is out and line moves two and a half points and it's too late. Well, but you can bet that t- that team team total at some book, slow moving book at a stale number where it was 21 before the news broke. And it's still 21 because the odds makers have, haven't gotten around to moving it yet. So team totals are meant to be, uh, they're derivatives that you typically play when you get injury reports or weather reports and you didn't get at the first kick at the can at the primary market. So you use the derivative market of the team total to basically bet the same thing. Good stuff. We appreciate the questions, guys. Don't forget, keep them coming. Um, every week we will do our best to get to as many as possible throughout the show and um, really good selection of questions this week. But now it's time to reveal which one of us has the golden ticket. I saw a lot of love for me this week. Um, we'll see what the uh, golden ticket guys me. have to say. Yeah, uh, Chris has had it two straight weeks, so I'm betting on a no on the Chris this week. It's either going to be me or Fez, and it's Fez. So sorry forever, uh, all, all the people in the chat that I saw that picked me uh, as the golden ticket. You're a loser. I'm sorry. We're not losers. We're all winners. But in this particular instance in the contest, you are a loser. Um, So let's take a look at who our winner is this week. And don't forget, you have to message BetUS on Twitter. The handle is, or X, calling it X these days, um, at BetUSTV. And then you can get your free entry into the truck contest. And Matt Mills. Congratulations, my friend. Um, you are the winner of the free entry. So don't forget, message BetUS on Twitter. Say that you won your free entry, and you will. You also have to have a BetUS account. Those are the two prerequisites in order for you to uh, claim this free entry. You have to have a BetUS account, and you have to message BetUS TV on Twitter for your free entry. All right, let's show you what we're betting on this week. Our bets for Week Seven in the NFL. A lot of teasers this week. 
That's because we love Seattle on the teaser line. I don't have any listed, but I promise you I will be betting many of them individually. I'm just going to bet Seattle straight up because, man, I like that spot for the Seahawks this week. Chris, I'll give you a last crack. Your favorite wager on the card this week. If you could only make one, only make one, what would it be? Uh, I like them all equally. I mean, I, it's... <laughs> Way to dodge the You game. know, as emphatic as I was about Detroit's value, that was more a discussion of lack of value on Baltimore. So it's not like yeah. I'm super confident that Detroit plus three covers. But one thing I knew for sure is there is no value taking Baltimore minus three. Yeah. Fez, if you had to Go pick with one. Can't love many all your children Seattle, in this case. Seattle legs on teasers. So if you, um, I've got them paired with two teams. But if you like any other Wong teasers, you want to put Seattle with Atlanta yeah. up to eight and a half. You want to put Seattle, say, with um, Indianapolis up to eight and a half. Um, Seattle leg teasers dominate my portfolio this week. Yeah, week, I like them week. too. Very solid. Yeah. I, the ones that I've already bet, and again, the numbers – that I'm betting are not the current bet us numbers available, which is why I didn't give them out on the show, but I, I, I got an eight and a half on the bills. So I got that down to two and a half and I got Seattle in that one. And then eight and a half on the dolphins, which again, I think is a very favorable price um, considering that line now trending towards uh, two and a half. So yeah, we got a lot of bets on the card this week. We've been pretty solid over the last couple weeks here and we appreciate your time today um, for week seven of the BetUS NFL show. Steve Fezzik, only available at pregame.com. Nope, that's Steve. I'm backwards here. That's Las Vegas Chris. I'm Jared Smith. Have a good week.